0: We have been um, for a few weeks talking about what it looks like to partner with God. So if we're saying we're experiencing God, we want more of him, how do we expand our capacity for him? We talked about worship, intercession. Um, How many of you enjoyed Daniel last week? Talking about evangelism. Wasn't he great? I know it's the height of summer, so half the church misses, you know, like the good stuff in the summer, but um, he's wonderful. We'll have him back. But we want to move into talking about how we partner with God in sharing the gospel. Because really, his heart is that none should perish. And when you're partnering with him in what he's doing, it expands your capacity like nothing else. And so we're going to do that, but we're not going to do it today. We're going to do it throughout August. But I want to talk about communion. Today In the communion table, I'm, um, I'm coming up to speed from taking a little bit of time off. my my dad dying. So there's just been thoughts in my head and I thought this is a good time maybe um, to talk through um, some of the things that come up when when you're grieving, when there's pain. Um, Pentecostals, we don't talk about pain a lot. We are pain adverse. How many of you have found that to be true? Over this past month and just different conversations people have with me from all over the world really, I've just realized like, wow, people are so afraid of pain. that's for real. And they'll do all kinds of things to avoid pain themselves or to avoid people who are in pain. Because we're just really uncomfortable with it. Now, I haven't felt avoided in any way. Um, but I, I'm i just in talking with people, I realize like, wow, when stuff gets messy, I think you would not know what to do. How many of you, you know, what I'm talking about, right? So um, this is a really good chance to talk through some of those things. And I was thinking, we're coming to the communion table today. We didn't take it last Sunday. We brought it um, back to today. Thank you, Leonard and Sabrina, for, for double communing us. Um, but, you know, the Lord's Supper, I think, represents um, both his cross sufferings and resurrection power maybe better than anything else. We see those things so clearly together. When we come to the communion table, because as we come to the communion table, we're remembering all the things He purchased for us on the cross, right? Salvation from sin, healing in our body, all the wholeness that He brings, all this He purchases on the cross, which is resurrection power. But the symbols of that are His broken body and His spilled blood, right? And so you have the suffering that is inextricably bound to the power. You don't have one without the other. How are we doing? So I think if we don't have a good theology of pain, we end up avoiding a lot of very important things in life. And we also, I think, never become what we should become because how many of you know, like, there's some things that are gonna take pain to get you there? That's just like common sense, right? Nike doesn't put out stuff that says, hey, enjoy the cupcake. They put out commercials that say like, supper, just do it, right? Because you want this reward in the end. You want strong muscles and strong, right? Their commercials don't celebrate sitting on the couch. <laughs> they celebrate pain and sweat because the end of the pain and sweat comes something really good. Suffering, wrestling, failure. These are all a huge part of understanding God and understanding how to have fellowship with God. How many of you have found that? You don't cry out to God on the hilltop like you cry out to him in the valley. That's for sure. Come on. You, when everything's falling apart, you cry out in a whole different way. Then when everything's going great. And I'm not saying we can only learn through suffering, I mean, that's bad theology too, but man, there are some things you do only learn through suffering. Philippians 3:10: Paul says, "I want to know Christ. Yes, to know him in the power of his resurrection, heal the sick, raise the dead, deliver the oppressed, right? That gets our juices going and it should and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. If you want to know him in the power of his resurrection, you're probably going to have to share with him the fellowship of his sufferings. These two things go together. If you take Philippians 3 in context, it says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider anything a loss, everything a loss, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, right, the good things I can do, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead. That's powerful. He says all these pursuits, because before that he lists all the great things he had done, before finding Christ, all these pursuits are kind of useless. They're garbage, he says, except for knowing Christ. Christ. And we can share in the power of his resurrection, awesome. But where do you have fellowship with him? In sharing in his suffering. Some of that suffering happens because we live in a fallen world, and some of that suffering happens because we come, we come to grips with ourselves. How many of you, in a purifying process of God saying, I want to make you holy, had suffering? When gold gets refined, they don't pet it and put an air conditioner on it. When gold gets refined, it goes into fire. And when the fire gets hot enough, all of the impurities come to the surface and they can skim it off, and then you have pure gold. Job says, when you're done with me, I will be refined like gold. Gold. How many of you know there's suffering from the world, but there's also suffering in just saying, like, God's going to take you from glory to glory. And the glory part's awesome. The getting from this glory to that glory, sometimes there's suffering. Because you have to come to grips with things in yourself that aren't pretty. Joseph, think about him. In Genesis, there's a story of Joseph who his brother sold him into slavery, right? He was the favored son the coat of many colors, right? His life had been easy. And because his life was so easy, his brothers despised him because he was so loved by his father. And so they sell him into slavery. And through the process of being a slave, God refines him and raises him up in Potiphar's house to be the most powerful person in the house. When he raised him up in Potiphar's house, he was a different Joseph than the one that went into slavery he'd suffered. And in his suffering, he didn't turn away from God. He ran to him. And that's where the refining happens. And then what happens? He's super blessed in Potiphar's house. And then Potiphar's wife makes an accusation, untrue accusation, against him because, well, you can read it. She makes an untrue accusation. And Potiphar knows it's not true or he would have killed it. If you have a slave that your wife says it tried to rape her, that's death penalty. The fact that Joseph lives tells us that Potiphar knew his wife and knew Joseph. I knew it wasn't true. And yet, what's he going to do to save face? And so Joseph, unfairly, for this man he would served so faithfully, he goes to prison for years. And again, they're suffering. He's righteous in what he does, and he's forgotten He speaks the word of the Lord. He's forgotten. But in one moment, God raises a memory that brings Joseph to the surface and Joseph becomes the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. Joseph at 10, what he knew of God and (laughs) the person he was could not have been the second most powerful person in Egypt. There are things you will go through and you won't even understand. Like, what in the world are you doing? God, I'm not saying God's doing bad things to you, but you kind of feel like you're sovereign. You can make this stop. Have you ever thought that? Like, But he knows that he needs you to be able to stand before kings and you're not ready for it yet. You know what I'm saying? Joseph had to go from in prison to standing with the king and telling the king what had to happen next. Let me put it this way. You see rock stars and people who like, can enthrall audiences of thousands, right? They've got them in there. Palm of their hand. They walk around like they own the world. And then you'll see clips of them meeting Queen Elizabeth and they're like bumbling fools. Like, you know, she's like an 80-year-old woman in really ugly shoes. And they like, they can't come up with the right words and they look like idiots. And what, what happened? This supremely competent person in this arena couldn't operate in confidence in this arena. They didn't have the strength to do that. Right? God had to work things out in Joseph so he could go from prison to the palace and know who God was and know who he was in God and be confident. So there are some things that are happening in the dark when you're in prison, you don't understand, but God's not preparing you for prison. He's preparing you for what comes next. Do you get what I'm saying? Are you you with me? Okay. So you can't run away from pain. You can't run away from suffering. You can't run away from things like grief. You've got to walk through them. And as you walk through pain, you have to learn how to share in fellowship with Jesus. No one suffered more than him. So in your pain, you can choose to fellowship with Jesus because he knows. Nobody knows. trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. And so you're going to choose to find fellowship there or you're going to get bitter, you're going to get angry, you're going to try to like mask all your pain with a bunch of Netflix binges. (laughs) Just kidding, maybe. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right? Or you're going to let yourself actually feel it and walk through it and not get stuck in it. So you don't want to be afraid of pain, but how many of you know you don't want to make pain your best friend? People who are stuck in stuff and you're like, man, you should have moved, you should have taken some steps forward by now. You've started to love the pain. You're telling the same story of who done you wrong that you were telling 10 years ago. Come on, you gotta, you're not finding fellowship with Jesus in that suffering. You're finding fellowship with the wrong spirit in that suffering. You gotta take that to Jesus, because he will turn on those things that were meant to harm you for good. How, how are we doing? Okay, you're, okay, you're, okay. So what does it mean to share in the fellowship of his sufferings? John 20, 18 through 20. Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. That person you shared your faith with, that person you prayed for for healing, that person that you saw God doing really cool stuff in their life, then all of a sudden they turn on you because they turned on God. And you're like, maybe I didn't do it right. Maybe if I memorized a different way of presenting the gospel, maybe if I tried harder, Maybe if I'd fasted first. Come on. Jesus, listen. (laughs) Sometimes they're just going to hate you. But you shouldn't be surprised because they hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. There's this picture. I wish I'd, I thought to put it up. There's a picture, and it's, um, it's uh, just before World War II breaks out, just before um, Hitler goes into Poland. And there's a bunch of Germans, and he's passing by on the road. And you can, see prob- you can see hundreds and hundreds of people and you get a feeling that the whole road is lined all the way. But you can see hundreds and hundreds. And they're all doing this. And there's one guy who's like this. I mean very visibly. Be that guy. Be that guy. I want to talk to the, the millennials and younger. There's a whole raft of things the world is telling you you have to believe that contradict what the word of God says. And you're gonna have to make a choice. I'm of the world or I'm of his kingdom. One or the other. Every generation has crucibles they have to go through like that. But there's a whole range of things on human sexuality and all kinds of stuff. Well, the world is saying either you're with us or we're gonna take you down. Like you see people losing their jobs just for holding like an orthodox Christian view of basic morality. It's meant to intimidate you. But Jesus says, listen, they hated me first. If you were of the world, they would love you. If you were of the world, they would be posting your blog in Vox. So you see all these Christian voices represented in mainstream media, Huffington Post and Vox and all these places. I don't know, that's a bad sign to me. I mean, hopefully you're sharing the word, but honestly, if the world loves you, yeah, yeah. but you don't have to depend on the world to give you a voice. God can put you in any position he wants to put you in. God can give you any megaphone he wants to give you. He can give you any platform he wants to give you. If your heart is to do his will, you're not going to care so much what that looks like. Are you with me? He says, "Don't, don't be, a servant is not greater than his master. Ephesians 4, Colossians 3 it talks about things like forgiving people. And in the language of Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4, the language is, listen, you've got to forgive because I forgave you. What are we hearkening back to? Jesus suffered and died, forgave my sins. Therefore, I can't choose not to forgive. And in this way, I will share in the fellowship of his suffering. Because how many of you know, the one getting forgiven is getting the free pass. You can say like their bad actions are going to hurt them, whatever, but the one doing the forgiving has to bear the burden. How many of you have had to bear the burden? (laughs) Well, you're like, forgiveness is literally canceling the debt that person owes you. I'm not expecting you to come back and make it right. I'm not expecting whatever from you. I'm I'm canceling the debt. You're free. But how many of you know there's still a debt? (laughs) Someone's carrying the debt. And so the Bible says you take that and you bring it to Jesus. Because he knows what it's like to carry the debt and see it canceled. And out of his grace then, you can walk up the journey of forgiving people. For the one forgiven, it can happen in a moment. For the one doing the forgiving, it's a journey. Sharing in the fellowship of the sufferings. You, you can't fully understand Jesus until you've had to forgive somebody. Until you've been done wrong, how can you even come close to understanding what Jesus is like? How can you come close to understanding what you have received, what I have received in salvation? When you're done wrong, you start to get it.
1: It got really quiet, okay.
0: And one thing we learn through these things, like Joseph, God begins to show you, you can do hard things. You can do hard things. With this little vapor of a life I've given you, 70 years, 80 years, whatever it is, you can do hard things with it. You can do great things with it. If you look at people who are accomplishing amazing things in the world and have accomplished amazing things in the world, you often read their life story, and very often they suffered young. They had hard beginnings very often. And those hard beginnings taught them that they could do hard things. And so they dreamed bigger. Come on. God is calling us to do hard things. He's calling us to go to hard places. He's calling us to go to dark places. There are people he's going to bring into your life that your life would have been easier without them. But he's put his finger on them and said, I want to bring them near light. I want them to have a witness of my son. You're going to have to be willing to do hard things. We talked about last year, you can't just be someone who says, God, come and calm all my storms. Right? You have to learn how to walk like he walks so that he can send you into somebody else's storm. We can do hard things. There's a great quote of uh, this past week was the General Council of the Assemblies of God, which normally I go to, it's so every two years, uh, but I didn't because of the memorial and, and my father passing away. But there's a great quote I heard. I was watching some of it online. Um, it was Greg Mundus, who he's in charge of world missions. Um, this is during his sermon. He said, success and suffering always go together. If you're successful without suffering, someone else suffered. If you suffer without success, you set someone else up for success. Come on. There are missionaries who poured their lives into nations and saw almost no fruit. And the next generation comes and there's a harvest. Their suffering set so the next generation for success. So if you're walking through difficulty you can't make any rhyme or reason of it, what you know is God is good and he will work all things together for good For those who love him are called according to his purpose. So just begin to bless the success, whether you ever see it or it's somebody else's. Just begin to bless the success on the other end of it. Fellowship with him in it. So it can accomplish something. Don't just suffer. Fellowship with him in your suffering. Fellowship with him in your pain. Let it drive you deeper into knowing him. And then there can be a harvest. Your suffering can produce something. How many of you are with me? How many of you can see that in your own life? If you'll just hang on to him, man, on the back end, you're going to see him show up in ways you couldn't have even predicted while you were in the suffering. James 1 says, "'Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, "'whenever you face trials of many kinds, "'because you know that the testing of your faith "'produces perseverance.'" you get strong. You don't get strong if you don't run to him. You get bitter and whiny. (laughs) But if you'll fellowship with him through pain and suffering to get to the other side of it, what happens? You develop perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then in verse 12 it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life and the Lord has promised to give those who love him. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very often, if we're only focused on like the resurrection side of it, the power side of things, when people go through difficulty and suffering and pain, we think they should have tried harder. They should have had more faith. They should have, come on, when life gets messy, we often kind of feel like, you know, I wonder what they did. You're looking at me like you've ever done that. I think people do do that. And we do it because we want to find reasons why that can't happen to me. If I could just find what they did wrong, why they're suffering, why their suffering continues, why they're in pain, if I could just find a reason why then I can feel comforted that won't happen to me because I'll do it better I'll do come on how many of you know there was a tower that fell down killed a bunch of people Jesus' disciples said hey who sinned you know did the people who died sin or their parents sin and Jesus basically says listen sometimes towers fall down and kill people we live in a fallen world really bad things happen and people have like unbelievable capacity to harm one another. Come on. Romans 12:12. 12, 12, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Colossians 1. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all the power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son, whom he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. That's good. Good. Galatians 6.9, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you will reap a harvest. Sometimes it's hard to do good. Sometimes it's hard to do righteous things. But don't grow weary in doing it. In due time you will reap a harvest. I guarantee you, you can invest your time and energy in lesser things, and most of them will be much easier but it's like sand, right? Some of those things are necessary, but it's like sand. If you wanna build something that endures, invest in the kingdom. If you wanna build something that, that has power to like, influence way beyond who you are, invest in the kingdom. Don't grow weary in well-doing, in due time will reap a harvest. So there's this balance. When we talk about suffering and pain, you don't want to get stuck. And by stuck, I don't mean it might not be a long time. Sometimes people are in pain for long periods of time, right? What I'm saying is stuck. I'm talking about a mindset, right? Being identified by this is who I am because you're in a struggle. But there's also ignoring pain. So um, let me me tell you about um, just this testimony. So um, I had a friend who, they, she grew up in a church where um, I think people would go to the doctor, but even that, people wouldn't say, like, I'm sick. They'd say, I'm a well person that sickness is trying to come upon, right? It was like all this, <laughs> they wouldn't just say, like, I'm sick, like, if you say it, you're going to make it happen. Like, sometimes you can tell if you have, right? I mean, you can tell the truth, right? <laughs> If you break your leg, you don't say, I have a whole leg that brokenness is trying to come up behind. Like, you broke your leg. You need to get a cast. Can God heal it immediately? Yes. So on your way to the doctor, pray over that leg because he can heal it, but you need to you need to go see a doctor. Since you grew up in one of these churches where you couldn't even really talk honestly about real sick, like sickness that you could, I don't mean real sickness, I mean sickness that you could actually like, touch and feel and see, there was someone who refused to wear glasses because they felt like it was a lack of faith that God was going to heal their eyes. And they would drive. I know. So she found herself in a position where she was struggling with really deep depression for a long period of time. And we were in a group together and she would talk about it every once in a while and over the course of like a year, I just kept tracking, like, man, I feel like you're, like, there's no progress. Like, you're really, it was probably nine months to a year, because different people would share. You, you wouldn't hear the same person every week. And I thought, man, have you seen a doctor? Like, have you? So finally, um, we stayed after to talk. Um, it was, it was um, on the internet. And I said, you know, when you talk to your doctor about this, what does your doctor say? never talked to her doctor. Like, she was in the depths of depression. Like, really thinking about life would be better if she wasn't there. And she never talked to her doctor because she felt like it was a lack of faith. I was like, listen, do you have a doctor? (laughs) Um, Right? So she went, she finally went to her doctor. She told her doctor about it. She had a chemical imbalance that had to get set right like a leg might have to get set right. Are you with me? She was on medication for maybe three or four months. She was praying. Because how many of you know, like, you can be getting treatment for cancer and still praying for cancer to leave your body. Both things can be happening at the same time. We would never tell someone, don't get treatment for cancer. We would say, Jesus even said to the people who had leprosy, go present yourselves to the priest to be declared whole. Like, they were like the doctors, right? They would be the ones, come on. So she got medication. Three months into it, she was getting prayer, and she really felt like, this prayer time, she got healed. Like, God healed her. And um, she wanted to be, be wise because it had taken her so long just to get help. Um, she wanted to be wise about it. And so she scheduled an appointment with a doctor. She was like a week out. And within two or three days, she started having tremors in her hand. It was a side effect because she was over-medicated because she was healed. So it even manifests itself that she was healed because she was having side effects from too much medication. Come on. Come on, God is good. God is good. Come on, God is good. So this is important. Listen, there's times where we treat sometimes things like um, issues that we have struggling with our mind. sometimes we treat that different than we treat the rest of our body and we shouldn't. So if you've done the things you know are healthy to do and stuff isn't changing, talk to your doctor. There are genuinely times where your body chemistry is off and you're not going to be able to not be anxious. You're not going to be able to not have racing thoughts. You're not going to be able to, to stop those things. So If you find yourself coming either all the time or coming through patterns where you're like taking every thought into captivity and still your mind's racing, go get your body chemistry checked out. Sometimes there's very simple things they can do that get you leveled out and you're off and God can still heal you on it, and you'll have signs when you're over-medicated when he heals you. And you can rejoice with your doctor and be a witness to your doctor. I'm just saying this because in conversations I've had over the past month, I think there's a lot of Christians that aren't getting help they need because they're afraid it will signal a lack of faith. Got quiet in the room. I don't know why. But I just want to say in this house, so last week Daniel shared about how he was on medication because he had um, all kinds of diagnoses and God healed him. That's awesome. Does that happen? Yes, it does. And we should be praying for that. Like we pray for cancer to leave a body too. But how many of you know, thank God, that somebody helped him when he needed help. John Mark Baker, who was here a few months ago, who moves in healing, He has a blog. You should check it out. He talks about how he had to go get medication because he would go through bouts of severe depression. And he talks about that, um, kind of the irony of, I see people healed, and yet there's this ongoing struggle I have um, and how God is really speaking to him through that. He's believing for healing, but he's on medication until it happens. How, How are you doing? Okay, let me do this. Can you say to the person sitting next to you, Jesus wants you whole? Now turn to the other person if there is another person. If not, just turn to the same person. Sometimes he uses doctors. Tell him that. Sometimes he uses doctors. Thank God. One last thing you're going to help your neighbor with. Partnering with a doctor is not a lack of faith. How you doing? How you doing? I think that sometimes in the church people struggle with this because we avoid, we we don't want to think about pain and suffering, we want to tell the unicorn stories. Thank God. Thank God that God delivers and he heals and he saves and he, thank God he does all those things and we see it all the time. But thank God <laughs> that he's also given us wisdom to seek out help that we need and let us people that encourage each other. Sometimes we're going through a season and they, they need more help than you can give them how are you doing? It got so quiet. Now, the flip side of that is deciding your diagnosis is who you are. Your diagnosis is not who you are, <laughs> right? God can make all things new. He can make all things new, and we can hold that intention. We can believe even as God provides help while we're in pain and suffering. We can't be afraid of pain. We can't abandon people when things get messy. We also can't get stuck in pain. You gotta move through that. You gotta move through it. You might be in it for a minute, but you gotta move, you gotta keep moving through it. We have to be able to face evil and suffering. Every person in a fallen world will suffer. It's not like, man, if I was doing the Christian life right, there'd be no suffering. No. Every single person in the fallen world will suffer even if your life is idyllic now. Pain and suffering will come. I'm sorry, that's a big downer. But pain and suffering will come because guess what? People die. That's going to happen. There's difficulty in a fallen world. If you're ever going to do anything significant, you're going to have to go to dark places. That's hard to do. And as God raises you up mighty, as you walk through difficulty, maybe it's a situation he's called you to that's hard, Maybe it's something you're facing yourself, or whatever it is. Maybe it's sickness in your body, whatever it is. As he raises you up mighty, guess what's going to happen in those seasons? That furnace heats up, and that dross comes to the surface. and needs to get skimmed off, and that dross is ugly. So you are like, I'm doing great. I'm doing great with Jesus. I'm abiding. I'm doing awesome. And then you hit a season, and you're like, what happened? What happened? And we think, because we think like Western thinkers, we think we have fallen back when really he's preparing us for the next level. And that's why pettiness is coming up to the surface. And that's why unforgiveness has become a struggle. And that's why, come on, all of a sudden there's a rudeness in you you didn't know. was Right? Come on. You're getting squeezed. You're getting squeezed. And that stuff's getting squeezed out of you. All of us. Because he wants to raise up mighty people who in this, minute, in this minute can be feeding the homeless and in the next minute can be standing with kings and know who we are in both situations. Oh, hey. Because it got a little quiet in here, okay. Modern secular culture says you live for the moment. And what brings meaning in life is to be happy. Well, guess what? If happiness and pleasure is your goal in life, when the inevitable pain comes, suffering is going to destroy you. If you think life's about being easy and being happy and yolo, pleasure, guess what? Inevitable suffering is going to come and it will destroy you. When my goal in life is to know the Lord and to see his glory glory revealed, When I put all my hope and trust in him, not in my situation, then instead of evil, pain, and suffering withering me and crushing me, difficulty deepens me and enhances my life. Come on. And this is why there's these incredible statements in the New Testament. Like, you have peace that passes understanding. What? The first couple times you walk through it, you're like, what's happening? And then you're like, oh, I run to the rock that is higher than I, right? We're going to have some fellowship in sharing the suffering. And all of a sudden, you become impervious to this pain. It's not that you're denying it's there, but you know that's not your that's not your identity. And so you have peace that passes understanding. You have joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And so even while you're in pain, there's a buoyancy to your life because the joy of the Lord has become your strength. You're not just like bearing the burden. Fatalism. Even when you're crying, there's joy. There's a buoyancy. How many of you found that? There's times where you're feeling intense pain and you have the buoyancy of the Holy Spirit. You can feel it. You're not going to sink. Instead of evil, pain, and suffering, withering and crushing me, difficulty deepens me and enhances my life. I learn to persevere. We gain strength. We learn how to live a buoyant life undergirded by joy and lightened by our reliance on him. So the world wants to stack a bunch of stuff on your back. Listen, you better be abiding because that's where you can cast your cares on him because he cares for you. That's where you offload it. And so you can live in buoyancy, even in pain, even in difficulty. And as you rely on him, this huge burden you're carrying for other people is the yoke is easy and the burden's light because you've learned how to yoke yourself to him. In the fellowship of sufferings, I'm getting yoked to you. How many of you know you got two mules? One's weak, one's strong. You yoke them together, and the strong one's going to set the direction. In suffering, yoke yourself to him. He's carrying the weight. He's carrying the burden. The fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. If you would stand ushers and worship team, if you would come, we're going to come to this communion table. We're going to celebrate what Jesus has done on the cross for us. And we're going to understand that it happened through suffering. If you think about the things that God had for Jesus to do, the places he found himself, sometimes they were painful. You can think of the Garden of Gethsemane. Clearly he's in pain and distress. But there's other times, too, all through his ministry. Think about when Jairus' father, or Jairus went to go find Jesus, my daughter. She's dying. Come and heal her. He goes to heal Jairus' daughter, and everyone in the room is just being ridiculous. She's dead. She's died on the way. And everyone's being so ridiculous, he finally has to say, everyone get out of the room. Everyone get out of the room. There's some stuff God's calling you to, and nobody else around you can see how His glory is going to come. And you just got to get in a room with Him to remember who you are and what He's doing. There will be difficulty. But Jesus, even the garden, said, If there's a way, let this cut pass from me. But if, if not, your will, your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Especially if you're in a season of difficulty. Maybe a season of pain or suffering. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Reset again. God, your will. I just want your will in my life. I just want you to get glory in my life. If you've gotten stuck in a mindset, ask him to come and break that thing off you. Maybe there's people that God's bringing up to your memory, to your mind, who you think, you know what, I need to reach out to them. I think they're in difficulty, and I'm willing to come near and not avoid the messy. Then ask him now, what would you have me do? We're gonna come to the communion table as they're singing. Paul says, make sure your heart is right before God when you receive. You don't have to be a member to receive communion here. Anybody can receive who's a believer. We just ask that during this time, as you hold the emblems and wait for all of us to take it together, would you just search your heart? Ask God to come and cleanse your heart. Make sure your heart is right before him as you receive. Amen.
1: I hear the Savior say Thy strength.
0: take the bread symbol of Christ's broken body broken for us we share in the fellowship of his suffering but through it we have resurrection life and now for those who believe (laughs) we heal the sick we raise the dead we deliver the oppressed we partner with Jesus in seeing all things made new amen thank you Jesus for your body broken for us Now the symbol of his blood that is spilled for us. Jesus, thank you for your blood. (laughs) Nothing more powerful in the universe than your blood spilled for us. No sin is too low. (laughs) No one's run so far that they can't turn to you and throw themselves in your mercy and your blood can cover the distance. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We take it as life and us, Lord. Amen. Prayer team, come on up. If God's stirring some things up in you, come and receive prayer. I really feel specifically like there's some folks in the room where you've been discouraged because you felt like, man, I thought I was in a better place spiritually. And then some things got difficult. And I feel like there's just like a word of freedom in the house, like you've been rising. <laughs> you've been rising. The oven just got hotter because you're rising. God is purifying you. You're going to the next level, so don't be discouraged. So we you've been discouraged in your own thoughts and hearts and your mind, you've been discouraged, but you've had the wrong perspective because there's been difficulty even in your own mind. You have felt like you were further back when really he's moving you ahead. So I want to encourage you. Come receive prayer. Amen?
1: And keep your hands together. There's breakthrough in the house. You feel it? Yeah. Let's press in. Let's press in and worship. Amen? God let your glory go on and on Impossible things in your name They shall be done Freedom conquered Freedom conquered All our chains undone Sin defeated Jesus is overcome Mercy triumph mercy triumphs when the third day dawned. Darkness was denied when the storm was gone. Unstoppable God, unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, it shall be done. God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Oh. Come on, yes. Nothing is impossible with him, amen. Let's declare this together. We say, Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus our God, unstoppable. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus our God God. Unstoppable Come on lift up your voice Oh he's unstoppable God He's unstoppable God Unstoppable God Let your glory go on and on Impossible things in your name, it shall be done. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, it shall be done. Oh, it shall be done. Father, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We just keep our hearts just tuned towards you, God. You are I- Oh Perfect in all of your ways to us for you are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways You are perfect in all of your ways to us Let's just sing as you draw you draw me, deeper still as you draw me, deeper still as you draw me, deeper still into love, 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 love as you draw
0: together to we end today would you encourage somebody before you go hug somebody people can't be over encouraged <laughs> people can't be over encouraged I'm not talking about saying things that aren't true and puffing someone up I'm talking about real encouragement that comes from the Lord amen things are true so encourage somebody before you go our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, (laughs) forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you.